0: Welcome to Running on Ice, the coolest community in freight. I'm your host, Sydney Edwards, bringing you the latest tech updates, warehouse news, everything happening in the cold chain world. Now, you know Running on Ice, the show, then you know Running on Ice, my newsletter. I write it every Wednesday and Friday, covering much of what we cover here in the show. And so, before we get into our guest of the day, let's get into some headlines. Now, if you watched the Beijing Winter Olympics at the beginning of the year, you know social media was buzzing with the innovation surrounding the event. And that innovation isn't going to waste. China.org reports that the CO2 refrigeration technology used at venues during the event will actually be used at a smart logistics port in southeast Beijing. This technology will help power low-carbon cold storage by using a non-toxic, incombustible CO2 in turn cutting carbon emissions. The logistics port is currently under construction and will be three stories tall. It will span over 1.8 million square feet and should be finished by 2024. And Carrier announced it has made an agreement with the United Nations World Food Program and the African Center of Excellence for Sustainable Cooling and Cold Chain to help support cold chain efforts in Africa. Under this agreement, Carrier will open a cold chain center in Kigali, Rwanda with ACES, And Carrier says this center will help train students and supply chain professionals, provide capacity building for farmers and refrigeration technicians, and will use best-in-class technology towards a sustainable cold chain. The partnership continues with Carrier, joining the United Nations WFP to build a transport training center in Accra, Ghana. Now, this center would offer free online and hands-on training in an effort to strengthen transport and logistics capacity in West Africa. You can check out more on this partnership in my Running on Ice newsletter, and you can subscribe to that at FreightWaves.com. And temperatures are cooling down across the nation. Here in Chattanooga, we'll soon be seeing 20-degree lows. I can't believe it. Now, when the weather changes, your hauling routine should change, too, especially if you're hauling temperature-sensitive freight. S&D Chain Executive published an article on how weather affects cold supply chains. The concern is always thawing or freezing products, especially when products like pharmaceuticals have to be kept at exact temperatures. I spoke with some of FreightWave's hauling experts who gave insight on what to do when you're driving through inclement weather. Now, if you're going to be on the road for more than 12 hours at temperatures below freezing, you could apply thermal blankets to pallets, suspend a drop trailer use, and even delay or cancel a load if necessary. Driving through the cold unprepared could lose you thousands of dollars in some important products. So be the boss of your freight and help protect what you're hauling. Now for the fun stuff. Today, I'm joined by Juan Meisel. He's the founder of GRIP and I have him on here now. Juan, how are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm good. It is a happy Friday out here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I'd love to get into a bit about your background. I haven't had you on the show yet. So tell me more about yourself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so born and raised in uh, Columbia, South America. Uh, after that, I moved to Boston for a school where um, I ended up joining this company called ButcherBox very, very early on uh, that we bootstrapped over the last uh, five years to almost $600 million in revenue. Um, and, and I ran logistics for the company for the last five years. So you know, that meant shipping uh, millions of boxes of frozen meat in the mail um, all across the country. So I uh, did that for the last about six years. And then a couple months ago this year, we launched uh, GRIP, which I Grip, what we're doing is is the technology layer for companies like ButcherBox that need to ship uh, perishable items in the mail. So through the technology, very very data uh, intense, we tell them exactly how they need to ship the box to increase the probability of success.
0: Now I know your work at ButcherBox actually led you to creating Grip. What were you maybe seeing? You know, working with ButcherBox, working with either the you know the perishables and and moving the food in that way. What were you seeing that was something that needed to be changed?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So w- what we've seen in the industry is, is that uh, it's exponentially grown over the last few years, as, as you've seen. And, and what that means is that technology is just not up to speed to where the industry is right now. So you see that there's, a lot of companies are shipping the exact same way that they would ship a pair of shoes or, or a T-shirt, a box of something version in the mail. And, and that's just, that just can't be the case because the necessities of of what you need to ship that box, it's completely different. So if it's raining or not rainy or hot or, or humid or, or freezing, you know, a t-shirt will make it to its final destination the same way. But that's just not the case with something perishable in the out. So uh, we've seen that overall technology is not up to speed to where the industry is and, and that's what we're doing more. We're, we're bringing a lot of more technology to the industry to make sure that uh, companies can more efficiently deliver the stuff to their customers.
0: And so tell me more about GRIP. How is it different from maybe other software in the market right now?
1: The main difference is that what we do is completely dynamic. Uh, Decisions change by the second. Um, There's a lot of software out there that they they do a very, very good job at letting you set business rules that statically will say, hey, any box going to California is going to ship with carrier A, with service B, which takes this many days in transit, this is the route, and this is the type of box that you need to use. But that's static. It's a very good way of doing it statically, which works for the type of company that I was just mentioning. But uh, for us, it's completely dynamic. That can change literally by the second, uh, which, which is the main differentiator of the company.
0: And so what information is this software taking in and how is it getting this information?
1: Millions of data points on a daily basis. So everything from how is every single carrier performing across the country, uh, where are we seeing trouble areas, uh, what type of major weather events are going on. What is our customers customer saying, as an example, like, hey, customers are raising their hand and saying, my box are being stopped, my box are being deleted after a certain um, time of the day, or, hey, my outside box is getting crashed. And, and we take all the data, we mix it with what we have internally in terms of the, uh, the different algorithms and formulas that we've created internally to uh, understand the performance of the boxes, And that's all that we take with also a bunch of weather points and and what type of box and product our customers are using. And then we run it through what we call internally our shipping engine. And then that's when we turn around and give the customers what are the values of how they need to shoot that box. But overall, it's millions of data points that we're processing on a daily basis.
0: And so what phase are we in right now with Grip? I know we just got out of stealth mode. Is that correct?
1: Uh, That's correct. Uh, We were, were fully launched. A company started earlier this year. Uh, We're processing hundreds of thousands of boxes uh, on a monthly basis through the platform, which has been very exciting to see. And and we're we're fully up and running. Uh, We're live, and and it's been exciting to see how, you know, the, the companies that are working with us, our customers, fully depend on how we tell them to ship that box. So it's exciting for us to see the performance and how we'll be improving that. And overall, we've seen that, our customers see about a 25% reduction in the amount of failure or damage boxes. And then they also see about 30% decrease in shipping costs as well after onboarding software.
0: That leads me to what I was going to ask next was how customers are reacting to this. Maybe I don't know if they have any other feedback in, in how this has been helping their businesses or if there's been a comment that has stuck out to you most when working with clients.
1: It's been very helpful for them, uh, mostly even through the summer, which we just came out of, where for perishables, it's a it's, it's nightmare. You know, you need to ship boxes when it's 100 degrees outside. So if for us, because we're pairing the cost of the carrier performance with the temperatures and what's the final customer saying, we allow them to be very targeted in where do they need to spend more money to get to the final customer in a good state with the box performing very well. So we allow them to be very targeted to increase performance without necessarily taking the approach of, hey, I'm just going to set every single box in priority overnight because there's just, you cannot run a business that way because one, your customer will not pay for that service and two, if they don't, then that means that you're just basically leaving all the marketing on the table or end up just working for the carrier company. Um, So very, very positive feedback. We allow them to go through the summer. I mean, we saw customers where... Before working with us, they saw uh, maybe 2 or 3% thaw or damage rate in the mail. For this summer, they saw closer to 0.5% or even under 1%. Uh, so very, very good early success with our customers, for sure.
0: Being the founder of this, starting this idea, what has been the most challenging part of starting Grip?
1: I think the most challenging part of starting Grip has been you know, making sure that you're actually using all these dynamic data and being like building a system sophisticated enough that it can change by the second, like the data processing uh, power that you need to have in house to start making some of those decisions by, you know, and, and having millions of data points flowing through the system, it's 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 not easy. And, and that's also why a lot of the solutions that are out there just you know rely on flat logic shipping because. It, there's really no data behind that. It's just you said that rule is an if statement, and every time you ship a box, it goes to the if statement and you ship it. And for us, it's completely dynamic. It changes. And that means that we need to be very careful with what we're doing, with what type of data we're uh, implementing and, and what type of recommendations we're giving our customers.
0: Now, I believe you are one of maybe the only software that works this way. Do you think this is because Maybe there's just so much more involved that companies have yet to get the dynamic side of things rolling. I know that technology is growing. We're seeing so much more, especially in the cold chain world. Why do you think you might be one of the only people to start a software like this?
1: It's hard. Um, I think that ultimately to, to, to really create a solution that works, unfortunately, but also fortunately, you, you have had to live through it because it, it's a very niche product. I mean, it's, it's a niche um, solution that we're creating and if you really don't come from already having lost thousands of shipments in the mail because you don't have a solution for this as an outsider it's very very hard to understand really what is what are the different parameters and, and and algorithms that you need to set in place to to figure out something like this at the same time the market is very new like this is not like like someone has had a chance to develop this technology for 20 years because 20 years ago no one was shipping frozen food in the mail maybe one or two companies, but it was not. It was not a big thing. I mean, right now you see companies that are shipping you know, cakes, desserts, pastries, foods, flowers, chocolate, like niche bars that need to be protein bars that need to be refrigerated. Because now people have really um, like came to realize that if you're a, if you have a very good product that you can sell to people, your surrounding like state or market is not your only market. You can actually go nationwide with all these great products that are out there. So. But I think that realization was just only happened within the, the last few years. So there has really not been a lot of, of space for this technology to develop, to develop before.
0: Juan, who are maybe some of your biggest clients? And by that, I mean the industries that they serve. And who is maybe your target audience when it comes to using Grip?
1: So for us, anything that it's perishable in the mail, meaning that it, you know, it, it gets damaged with 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 long time or with temperatures or with certain conditions um, is, is our target customer. So we're working with you know anything from meal kits or like prepared meals. We're working with uh, pastries and bread. We're working with uh, pet food providers, um, which is a massive one out there. We're working with flower shippers. Uh, and, and we're also looking into a few other industries. But for us overall, it's basically who has to get a product to someone's doorstep in a time-sensitive way? And, and where does it make sense to to you know to spend the premium to get to that customer where it makes sense and, and you give them a, a good customer experience at the end of the day?
0: Have you noticed, whether it's the food industry, the pharmaceutical industry, or just other time-sensitive goods, who exactly your customer base has grown to so far, whether it's more food-centered or more pharmaceutical centered? More food center right now.
1: We're starting fully food center because I think that's where I come from and that's what I know very, very well. Um, But ultimately, if you ship something, you know, frozen meat in the mail, it's very similar to shipping uh, pharmaceuticals in the mail. Uh, There's definitely a couple different things with the market within itself, but the the, the act of shipping that and making sure that it needs to arrive in a perfect state to that customer is very similar. But we're starting fully food focused right now.
0: I don't know what you might say about the state of the cold chain, especially when it comes to food. So many people are trying to mitigate food waste, and I know that this is a software that could help in that, correct?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I mean, if you, ultimately, let's say that there is a wildfire in California that you didn't catch in time with your U16. If you were shipping 4,000 boxes of something perishable in the mail to California with a wildfire, I mean that means four thousand boxes of food that just ultimately get thrown to the to the trash, and that's also four hundred thousand dollars if you say average order value of a hundred dollars for the box that literally just get thrown to the trash. So uh, not only in like the one-to-one food waste, but also on the transportation waste. Because they say there's a box that you might not have needed 15 pounds of ice in that box, you can have gotten away with 10 pounds of, of ice in that box, which the software tells you then that is five pounds of something that you now not don't need to ship in the mail. So, you know, when you talk about CO2 emissions, when you talk about the size of the box, when you talk about the actual waste of that five pounds of something that you're doing in the mail, that adds up when you start shipping thousands of boxes in the mail.
0: So earlier in my show, one of the headlines that I read had to do with temperatures changing. Of course, it's getting colder across the United States and... Shippers, uh, everyone has to basically, you know, watch where they're going because if they're going to be going through inclement weather, that's going to change their product. How exactly would this software help mitigate that? What exactly would it say, and how would you know somebody know what to do based on it?
1: So we give you the exact values of how you need to ship it based on real time weather data. So we look at what's going to be the path through that box in the mail. We look at what's going to be. The temperature that that box is going to be exposed to um, in in the journey, and then that's how we provide the recommendations. and And you're right; like it completely changes your path if you're someone traveling, or it completely changes the path if if it's a box in the mail as well. It's very similar. That with, what we like to say is that this is very similar as if you know it was not raining yesterday, so you went out without an umbrella, and there's a massive rainstorm right now, and you went out with that without, without an umbrella just because yesterday you didn't use one. But in fact, you need to actually be looking at the weather that, hey, it's going to be raining today, so I'm just going to take my umbrella out. So it's as simple as just reacting to the different weather patterns and what you're seeing out there.
0: And so when someone has this software, is it on their phone? Is it on their iPad? Is it back in the office? And they plan their day around what the route says that the software says to what to do? How exactly are folks, um, I guess, seeing this information?
1: So we integrate with our customers' order management systems. And it's basically an intelligence level that that sits on top. And when they get an order, their system bings their system and says, hey, I have an order for a code called 33130 in Florida. How do I ship it? And then based on all the data that we're seeing, we apply automatically the values of how they need to ship that box to the final customer. So, I mean, this is thousands and thousands of orders by the minute, but when you look at it, it's basically a question of, hey, I have an order, this is where it's coming from, this is where it's going, this is the contents of that box. And then they ask us a question, how do I ship it? And then we apply the values to that specific order of how they need to ship that box.
0: So then if somebody wanted to get involved, is it something that they subscribe to, something that they can, I guess, purchase on your website?
1: They reach out to us, they can go to the website and, and they can fill out the form, they can just reach out to us and uh, we'll chat to them, we'll understand what they're doing right now, what their current solution is, and we'll help them put something in place that gets them a lot more sophisticated. But overall, it's, it's a technology company that sits on top of what they're doing right now, and we charge a monthly, a monthly fee for the technology.
0: Juan, thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. I do have a question, and, I, and it's something I like to ask a couple of my guests, just because the cold chain world is changing so much. I'm just curious, where do you think things are heading? And we can talk technology-centered because it, there's so, mon- so many new things. Of course, we have Tyve on the show who has something new every other week. There's all these new softwares coming out trying to mitigate the cold chain, help food waste, all the above. Where do you think things are truly heading, maybe even in the next couple of years?
1: I think that everything needs to be and it's going to be a lot more transparent and data-backed. And what that's going to allow is that that's going to shorten the amount of time that it takes to make a decision, and it's going to make everything a lot more dynamic. Because that's what happens right now and what has happened through the years is that once you realize that something is happening, you don't really have a way of that realization that you made to impact the next box or shipment that you're going to send out in real time or right away. So I think that with the access to traceability, with the access to data, with the access of everything being more transparent, and of course being powered by some powerful software, a, the, the time period of that decision-making is going to shorten a lot and that's going to, look to, to make everything a lot more dynamic.
0: Food waste, pharmaceutical waste, it's not a new thing. Why do you think it took so long for people to jump on this and try to fix this?
1: I, I don't know. I mean, we're here now trying to solve it and I think that's that's what it matters. We have a lot of technology. We bring the right experience to the table and, and our customers have seen some of the results from it. So uh, yeah, I mean, in, in the in the food in the mail specifically, I think it's a relatively new market. Pharmaceuticals have definitely been around for for longer, but uh, within the pharmaceutical space, when you see the the for example the the trials at home, like running clinical trials with, by sending boxes of things to people at home, that trend is also relatively new within the pharmaceutical space. So that's why I think you know the, the trend is up. You can now ship perishable stuff to someone's doorstep and. And there, there has to be a lot more technology for for it to be able to make it efficiently, and that's what we're here for.
0: Absolutely, when well, I'd love to hear what maybe your future goals are for Grip.
1: Adding value to customers—that's uh, what we're fully focused on right now. Uh, we work very, very close with our customers. Like mentioned this in an inter- in an interview I did not too long ago, but. Ultimately, it's our customers that want us. are building our solutions and building our softwares. We run what we call fast innovation cycles within the company, which means that we go very, very fast from idea to product to feedback, and in the center of that, the customer sits in the center of that. So we come up with an idea, we develop a prototype, we launch it, and then we put it in the customer's hand for them to give us feedback from there we either get the idea of improving that or the idea of launching from something completely new. So uh, yeah, adding value to customers and just keeping keeping them very, very close and just working with them to figure out their problems and solve their problems.
0: I'm curious if there's any crazy idea you have for Grip, you know, years down the road, we're all so successful, all the above, if there was one thing that you, that would be the crazy what if idea that you could add to grip or you think would be really cool for the industry, what might it be?
1: It's a good question. I haven't thought about that, but if we can reduce the 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 amount of damage shipments to zero at some point, like literally the number is zero, like no room for failure, um, you know, it's it's definitely some wishful thinking, given all the different uncertainties and, and how things change as fast as they do, but uh, if 20 years from now there's zero boxes getting damaged in the mail, um, that's you know it's a different world.
0: <laughs> or at least maybe during a certain period of time, like, you know, we went one whole month with zero errors involved. I feel like that's something we should be, you know, tracking, right?
1: <laughs> yep, agreed. <laughs>
0: Juan, well, thank you so much again for joining. Where can people hear more about GRIP? And I'm curious, are you guys hiring? Are you trying to grow the company in that way?
1: We are. We are, definitely. I mean, we wanted to keep up to date with the company. You can go to our LinkedIn page, uh, GRIP Shipping. You can follow me on LinkedIn as well. Uh, or you can go to our website. We're posting updates there as well. Um, but yeah, for companies growing, we, uh, we're hiring. And, and we're very, very intense in the, in, the, in the whole data processing side of things.
0: Is there a LinkedIn? Is there a Facebook group? Where can folks find you on social media?
1: Uh, for me personally, LinkedIn, one, uh, Camilo Meister, my full name, you'll find me there. The uh, company itself also has a profile on LinkedIn where we post uh, updates and, and the different developments that we're doing. So uh, I think LinkedIn is the best place to find us for sure.
0: Perfect. And one last question because I was curious the name Grip, how did you come up with that?
1: Get a grip on your shipping.
0: Is that really what it
1: is? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean think it, it's a, it's that simple, and 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 it's really it's really behind uh, what we're doing. I mean, we work with companies to 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 figure out really how they need to be shipping stuff to, to improve their bottom line, to improve the lifetime value of the customers, to improve their margins, to have a better customer experience, to reduce waste. And if you combine all those with a very good piece of software, you definitely have a great on your shipping.
0: I love that. That actually gives me another idea. Do you have any? I'm curious if there's any specific company that you know you look up to when it comes to either a software standpoint or or somebody in the cold chain industry that you think's doing it right.
1: Uh, I mean, not necessarily from the fr- from the software perspective. Uh, there's there's some very very big respectable players out there in the you know in more in the in the warehouse in the, in the actual you know boots on the ground and, and getting stuff done. I have a, a lot of respect for the people that are actually. Uh, handling the operations on the ground. Um, I, myself, with Butcherbox, we started a, a dry ice production facility uh, in, in Oklahoma, and that's a whole other story that I can get into at some other point, but uh, you know, that, that's when I really, really learned of, uh, about production, about being on the floor, about launching the operation, about working with people, and, and I just have a lot of respect for the people that are, that are actually doing the fun work on the ground
0: Maybe ButcherBox could be one of the companies that we get to use the GRIP software. Yep. (laughs) I'll say it. I'll say it. Juan, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a joy to have you on the show, and I really look forward to what GRIP has in store. Was there anything else that you think should be mentioned while I have you on for GRIP?
1: Uh, no, thank you so much for 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 having us, and and uh, I think it's 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 very fun times and interesting times for the industry because it, it is it is significant enough in terms of a size where it's now capturing you know people's attentions, It's got it's capturing investors' attention, and and that's just all good when it comes to development and, and innovation. So uh, we're here for it. We're here for adding value to the customer, and then you know, if if. Anyone who's listening to this, ships, anything personal in the mail, definitely uh, reach out. We can help.
0: Absolutely, Juan. Thank you once again. I will be checking back in with you at some point. I know it.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a going.
0: Now, running on ice will be tonight, the newsletter at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Next week, I'll have the folks of C Cube on the show. Check it out. <laughs>